Welcome to the Steady On Stronger Together podcast. I am your host, Angie Bauman. Shame is a word I am all too familiar with. A quick Google search brought up this definition of shame, a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. When shame hits me, it's like I'm taking a hot shower in it. It starts at the top of my head and washes over me. My hands feel clammy and my heart pounds wildly. It's what Brene Brown describes as a shame storm. My guest today is Denise Pass, and she knows the feeling of shame too. After discovering her ex-husband was a sex offender, she went through a shameful season where she questioned her judgment and her responsibility But God kept calling her into a new understanding of his love and grace. She began to untangle the lies from the truth. And now she shares her story in the hope of helping others untangle their shame stories too. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome to this Stronger Together conversation. I'm Angie Bauman, and I have two guests with me today. I am here with author and speaker and worship leader and songwriter and podcaster and wife and mom, uh, Denise Pass. Denise, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be talking about her book, Shame Off You. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here with both of you. And my ministry friend, Jennifer Elwood, is also joining us for this conversation. Jennifer is an intern on Denise's ministry team. She's an author also and a wife and a mom. And she is the creator of a virtual event coming up on August 21. The the event is called The Refuge. It's a free event. Denise and I are both speaking at it. I'm going to link that registration information. You want to give us a quick pitch for the the Refuge event, Jen? Sure. Um, It is a great place to come and get encouraged to find refuge in the Lord, no matter what you are going through right now. I love that. All kinds of great topics that we're covering, and I am so excited for it. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for inviting me to participate in it. So we were gathering to talk about Denise's book, Shame Off You, which was released in 2018. Why shame? Why, why did you feel the Lord really kind of inviting you to talk about this topic, which I think a lot of times people are like, "Mm, not, not fun. You know, shame is like this invisible force that I think a lot of people don't realize they're feeling. In fact, mm-hmm. when I chose to write the book, people were like, don't write about shame. <laughs> uh, there's a sense of wanting to avoid it and even a lack of an awareness for it. But for me, uh, it was an abrupt interruption to my life of what I thought was a wonderful life. You know, I married a Christian man. I homeschooled, love Jesus, A plus B equals C. My life's going to be blessed. And then I discovered that my ex-husband was a sex offender. And suddenly this unraveling all these lies. I know you talk about lies with your uh, steady on community, but uh, just complete shock and horror. There's no other words really for it. And the discovery that some of my kids were harmed in that as well. And so really with a message like that, you don't want to go public with that, right? Because that is the very essence of shame. It's this horrible thing in your life that you don't want people to know about. But for me, um, two of my daughters asked me, mom, please, go help other people. Mm. And so for me, uh, as much as it would seem counterintuitive, hey, we don't ever want to talk about this again, actually talking about things and 
going to God's word and getting healing, then bringing that healing to other people is really why uh, I began to write on shame. I think that a lot of times we don't talk about things that are shameful in our lives because it's not just us. I was listening to you just now, just saying that about your kids, right? Because it's, this is your story, but a lot Mm -hmm. of times our stories are other people's stories also. And I think that can keep us motivated maybe to keep a lid on it, if you will, or to keep it in the dark. And then when we keep it in the dark, doesn't it just, it just accentuates, I think. Yes, I think sometimes too, you can receive judgment, uh, shame again, Mm -hmm. because why would you come out here? This is a, this is a message that your kids were hurt in this message. Mm -hmm. Why would you have motivation to do that? And uh, once again, rise above shame, because I'll never forget um, speaking at a women's conference and my daughters were with me serving in worship three, my three daughters were and one came to me with tears in her eyes because she could see I wasn't going to share what happened to us. I just would summarize it as a really bad thing. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't go into any details. And even in my book, I don't go into the details of the abuse or anything like that. But she said, mom, it's okay. You need to talk about this and we need you to talk about it Mm -hmm. because see victims are silenced and that's not okay. Mm -hmm. And so when we rise above shame, we give the opportunity to walk in victory and to be able to help other people to do that. I love that. I think part one of the hardest parts of my story is that it wasn't talked about. Like it really took me 25 years to say out loud what had happened to me and my situation was public. And so it wasn't like a secret secret, but in terms of like, uh, like in my immediate family and things like that, like we just never was spoken of. And that, that I think a lot of times people are doing the best they can in some ways. But for me, that felt like this is so horrible and you are so horrible that it cannot be spoken. You know, that's, that's kind of what I, I began to carry around. And I think giving people, when we are able to share our stories, even if we're not all the way like worked through them or we can't, you know, it, it gives people a freedom to be able to say something bad happened to me too. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We live in a shame culture. That's what I realized as God mm. began this message on my heart is everyone is acquiescing to the shame culture almost dutifully uh, until you recognize, you know, and see it working in the lives of other people and in yourself, then it's like, I actually don't have to live in a shame culture anymore. And it's so freeing. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, I'm going to ask, turn it to you. What, what are you thinking? What is this? What is what Denise saying make you think or feel or want to add? You know, I just have to say that it has been an amazing thing to interact with Denise and see that, you know, she has all these messages out there. The first thing I read was actually a devotional that she wrote. And like, just right off the bat, she is talking about all the real hard stuff that's gone on in her family. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) because I struggle with that. I think we all do just being able to uncover and unmask ourselves and be real, even with the really, really hard things. Like I also have been through a divorce and um, it was horrible, but I have found that opening myself up and being real and not allowing shame to cover things over actually like boasts on God, because then we can tell the story of how he's changed us. Yeah. And how, go ahead, Denise. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think too of Paul, who in he, he boasted in his weaknesses, 
And I think we're living in a culture, again, shame culture, that you always have to put your best face on, even if it's fake. And there's something so freeing about this is my brokenness, but this is my savior. And, And if we want that healing, we've got to be willing to walk through the brokenness. And if it can help other people do the same thing, then we just slapped Satan right on the cheek. And he said, I'm not going to let you defeat me or anybody else who I can tell this message to. I think one of the enemy's greatest victories or tactics or something is to, is isolation. I think when, when he can whisper something that makes us believe we're alone in our struggle, then we feel like no, no one else is this bad or no one else has ever experienced this or, I'm the stupidest person because I didn't know my husband would do this or, you know, what, and, and that all of that is lies, but then that blocks that redemptive power that the Lord has in us, like to work in our situation. But as you said, then too, to, to give us the, the confidence, the divine confidence, if you will, to say, I'll actually speak this out loud to other people too, in the hopes that, in the hopes that I can break down that misconception of isolation. Definitely. And I think uh, to your point about, hey, like, why didn't I know about this? You know, that shame that can rise up. You know, I can look back at so many times where it was, it just really was so well concealed. But even before marrying him, uh, just some things that seemed odd, like uh, why his parents didn't like his best friend. And coming to find out that there was a whole history there. And yet you pick up on these things, but if you're lied to and people have a really good alibi and a really, you just, you don't see it. Um, It really was not detectable. And so I think that's what also increases the pain and shame is because we feel like we should know better. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And ultimately, you know, Satan is a master deceiver. Um, and he knows how to do that well, mm-hmm. but we don't have to stay in that place. We mm-hmm. can choose to walk in the honor mm-hmm. that Christ has given us in his redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be able to say both, this is what happened to me. And even some of the things that we've done, this is the mistake that I made, you know, but may in some situations, both are true and some it's, you know, more one than the other, but to be able to say, but that doesn't mean I have to stay here. I don't have to stay here like physically in this place. I also don't have to stay here emotionally because I can choose to learn from this and to, you know, better hear from God, what he's teaching me through no matter where I am. Mm. Yeah. Yes. We have to be willing to examine shame rather than being put off by it. That's Mm. one of the core principles because unless we do that hiding shame doesn't heal it you know that's another core principle i have you have to be willing to examine it but how do you examine it yeah um and i'm sure we'll get to that but biblically you've got to examine it yeah how i you and i use slightly different language to talk about this but i think we're saying the same thing so i just kind of wanted to ask you because you you talk about good shame and bad shame and i talk about the difference between guilt and shame because i think that i think your good shame is like what i call guilt because i for me guilt is the feeling that like hey i did something bad and shame is the feeling like i am bad but you're talking about how shame can sometimes usher us into the arms of the savior so would you just unpack that for us a little bit the difference sure the, the way that you see the difference Right. And like you said, you know, guilt is this feeling I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that can be a conviction, but it can also be a false guilt Mm. and shame is this. I'm just, I'm not enough. You know, uh, there's condemnation, which is basically an accusation on our soul. You know, we're defined by it. 
And then there's this conviction, which redeems our soul. And it's based on relationship. That's the difference with conviction. But I think sometimes we can get confused in semantics. And so uh, in my book, Shame Off You, I primarily talk about shame we feel in all of life, you know, legitimate and illegitimate shame, which are calling the good and bad shame. The legitimate shame is produced when we do sin. When we do sin, it produces shame. I I believe this can be a thing that can lead toward redemption depending on how we process that shame. We can go on the cycle of shame I have in my book, or we can go on the cycle of redemption. Um, And there's illegitimate shame that's in our head And it might be because of our own accusations against ourselves. Of course, we know the enemy is an accuser of the brethren, but we know Romans 8, 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whether the shame, which is an accusation against our soul, basically, whether it's leveled by the accuser or others or even our own mind, it limits our existence by a feeling of condemnation that says we're not enough. And it's an invisible label that tries to define us by our weaknesses and it limits our worth. And so I guess I see shame as both something that condemns and paralyzes us. It's something that can uh, trap us in rejection. I know rejection was something I dealt with for much of my life. And that was a lot of shame wrapped up in that. And it's formed, shame is formed in this place of pride through fear of rejection and cultivated by comparison. It's this sense that I've got to try to stamp out the shame, right? And so shame paralyzes us because it's also in our mind and there's no escape unless we know how to deal with shame biblically. So you also asked the question, part of your question was, how can shame draw us closer to God? Because that, I think there is a misuse if we say that, Oh, shame can never be used by God because I do see it throughout scripture in many different instances where it did lead people to repentance. So we've all likely heard the phrase shame on you. You know, we were a little kid, we're reaching our hand in the cookie jar, whatever it was that we were doing. That shame can be something that's really, as a parent, I try not to say shame on my kids um, because I really think it can be a tool of the devil and the residue of shame just stays there but it can wake us up to sin. And so just as Romans 8, 1 is saying there's no condemnation, Christ has removed all our shame. Well, a right response to shame would be conviction. And it'd be where I feel that shame, but I choose to come to God with that shame. If you think about Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam and Eve tried to cover their shame their own way. But I believe a biblical response is to come to God with our shame and to confess and repent. And that's what lead us on, leads us on the cycle of redemption. I'm going to put this to Jennifer. Will you share with us? Like, I know that you have felt the difference between this in your life, because I know your relationship with Jesus. What, what's the difference for you between when you feel shame, like that bad, like the gross, like the I'm so bad, that feeling that Denise is talking about, and what it feels like when you're recognizing that God's calling you to change, which I would call like the conviction. Can you describe the difference, what that's like to you? You know, when, when I feel condemnation, it usually attacks multiple parts of my life. Like, I feel like if all of a sudden I think, 
oh gosh, you know, I am, I'm really falling down in my parenting. Like for example, today, my kid got left in the car, my five-year-old, she just got left in the car. I was the first one to leave. I wasn't the one that locked her in, but like that crushed me. But then all of a sudden, oh, you're not a good mom. Oh, you're not a good wife either. And oh, by the way, you don't pay attention to anything and you're not a good friend. And it can just spiral like that. But when I feel convicted, often that is when I'm like, pause and I hear the voice of the Lord. I hear some, some words from the Bible. And even if I can't exactly recognize where it's from, it's like, it's on me. And I'm like, oh, oh gosh, I did not do that right. Mm -hmm. And that usually then follows into some kind of repentance. And, um, and that it just, it feels very different. Yes. Thank you for sharing that with us. Cause I I think that the shame, it just feels gross and it feels like there's this wet blanket of grossness that just like, I can't get out from under sometimes. And I appreciate what you're saying about that, Jennifer, because to me, it feels very global, like not something is wrong, but everything is wrong. And it just kind of, it comes at you from like lots of different areas. What about you, Denise? Can you describe it? Like what it feels like in your life with the difference? Well, I think about David, the psalmist, you see a lot of him going back and forth into where he feels shame, Mm -hmm. but the only way he has that removed is coming to God. And of course we know when Nathan, the prophet came to David, you are that man, or, you know, the different times when David was disciplined by God, it was not a good warm, fuzzy feeling, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, his son was killed, you know, Uh, he died. And so I think a lot of times when, if we've incurred the shame in our life, you know, if it's sin that we've done there, you are going to feel some shame and it may just be a semantic thing. Um, but it's what you do with that in that moment, because that shame can seep into every part of our life. Uh, usually it does in some way, if you are feeling like, okay, you did something wrong. It's hard to just kind of stop thinking about that. Um, And so I I see David, both in Psalm 32 and Psalm 34, there's a sense, and I think it's in Psalm 32, where he even says, you forgave the guilt of my sin. And um, I think sometimes there's an interchangeable use of that term. But so when we sin, there is this guilt there, I did something wrong, but we can feel defined by that sin when it is something uh, huge in our life. And so I, I think it's a semantic thing, yeah. but yeah. I And I also think it's easy to confuse. This just popped in my head as I was listening to talk to Denise. I think it's easy to confuse the shame with the judgment of other people that we feel and how that feels and the shame that you're talking about, like the conviction shame that comes from God, because that feels very different too. And I have confused that before in that, that I feel what I feel as judgment from people, then I place that on God as that God feels that way towards me. And then that's not, uh, that's not how he calls me to more holiness or to turn away from something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. I mean, if you are committing adultery, mm-hmm. I believe you're going to have a rebuke mm-hmm. in your spirit, mm-hmm. which is different than if you didn't have your devotions that morning and God is wooing you back to him, I I believe that God disciplines us Mm -hmm. at times. And I think shame can be a tool. And some may disagree with me on that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but if you 
look in scripture and and you even see Nebuchadnezzar crawling on all fours, um, <laughs> going from a person of pride to a person where he experienced shame, but that brought him to a point where he was like going to give God all the glory. Yeah. So there's I, a I brokenness that, in recognizing our sin that is good. For a lot of the shame that I'm dressing, addressing in the mm-hmm. book is shame from other people. Yeah. And it's in all of life, it, it really isn't a focus so much on shame from God. Mm-hmm. It is shame just, you know, I, I have some funny stories in there, you know, um, about myself and shame that I felt. And so it isn't all seriousness, mm-hmm. but I go from shame from abuse and being a victim and, and shame from people making fun of the car you're driving. And, and you start to discover there's a common denominator, fear of man. And, and who is really the author of this shame after all. And, and so I, I think that there's different types of shame. Yeah. If that's mm-hmm. fair to say. It's complicated. Yeah. I think it's complicated. And I think uh, we, we have to continue to take whatever, especially a, a, a situation like Jennifer was talking about her divorce and your divorce and your family situation. I think we can, we have to continue. It's very tangly and we have to continue to take those things to him and ask him to show us where am I receiving this from man where do I need to let that go? Because they're never going to believe me or they're never going to approve of me or I'm looking for them to approve of me. And I don't even need to be spending my time focused on that. Right. Um, you talked about the, some of the church hurt that you experienced when you weren't uh, continue, you didn't continue to be embraced at the church that you had been worshiping in when this happened. It's so hurtful when people turn their back on you, which can really add to the shame and the difference of that. Yes. And how God is calling us to, um, to heal from something and to let let that go from us. What was that like for you, Denise, when you began to realize that that God was wanted to open your heart to turn away from that shame on you belief, if you will? Because at first we're just traumatized and broken. Not maybe not every situation. Some switch, as you said, some situations are smaller than others. But when you're talking about this kind of life change, this devastating life change, some you know, how did God begin to open your heart and say? I want you to lift your head and see that there's a different way than maybe what your people are telling you even, or what your circumstance seems to dictate. Yes. I think it's in Romans where it says, if you'll believe in him, those who believe in him will not have any shame. And that's a, (laughs) a total Denise version there, but that's the essence of it. But for me, it's like when I was born again, I entered into this new total new way of thinking And so when God revealed all the hidden places of shame in my life, it was like a kingdom mindset, if you will. It's like, I've been stuck in this shame culture and now I'm in this honor culture. Christ came in shame to bear our sins. He chose to. If you look at Hebrews 12, one and two, and you see that he scorned the shame. If you look at the NLT translation and saying he disregarded the shame, I think to myself, Did he really have to suffer as much? But he chose to. He chose to suffer and to walk through shame and disregard it to win our souls. And he restored us. And so it's a total new paradigm. It's not based on appearance anymore, comparison anymore, rejection anymore. We're just accepted by God. And we don't deserve that. And so it's such a beautiful, liberating thing. And even as you mentioned, the church... um, that whole scenario was very painful because there's spiritual abuse there as well. At, at one point, someone saying, do you actually think you can hear from God over us? Mm. And the new 
culture that I was, that God was opening my eyes to was, yes, indeed. My God lives in me. My God speaks to me. And this is unbiblical, but it's hard when people are so steeped in that culture themselves, they don't recognize it. Uh, and that's how people um, control others uh, through shame as well. It's like, oh, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be this way. But really, Christ came and he destroyed the shame that we feel and he destroyed the condemnation we feel and he gave us redemption. What do you think about when it's when it raises its ugly head, if you will? Because I find in my life, I I've healed so much and I have so much freedom from some of the things that happened to me. And yet, uh, sometimes things will stir up feelings, something will trigger something, and I can feel like I'm falling into some bad habits, some negative self-talk, some believing the lies that are not true. I would bet that's true for both of you two in different situations. What do you, what do, you do, Denise, like just practically when you can feel that bubbling up in you? Well, one thing I've said a number of times is, you know, we wouldn't have shame if we didn't have an audience, right? We have to think about why are we feeling that shame? And there's several other things uh, in the book, Shame Off You, that I go through. One is understanding the roots of that shame. And as I put it, if you know the root of your shame, then you know the route you need to go. Identifying why you're feeling that way and then bringing it to God's word. And I have a three-pronged filter that I use. You know, if we're willing to examine shame, instead of just trying to dismiss it quick, I don't want to feel that. What's the truth behind that shame? Is there anything that I need to receive? You know, I think we have to be humble enough to realize that that's what leads us to humility. First truth and then humility. Will I let the Lord speak into my life if there is some reason why I feel that shame that's legitimate that I need to deal with in my life? You know, sin brings shame. Uh, and so we need to deal with it in our life. And then God's grace. That's the third prong to it. If I'm willing to look at shame truthfully and with humility, then I liberally apply apply his grace to that shame. Uh, I, it's not about good works. It's not about trying to get over my shame and my own strength. It is all about uh, owning what I need to own and coming to God to give me grace to overcome. I, what I hear from that, what I take away from that is th to, to really pray about what part of this do I receive and what part of this do I do not receive, right? What, what part of this is truth and this is from you and it is an invitation to grow or an invitation to change. Um, and what part of it is a, is a lie and it is meant to bring me down and keep me quiet, uh, quiet in that, like not sharing it, not talking about it and allow it to, to grow. Uh, and I think that's a, it's a huge distinction. That's a, I think that's a mark of a mature Jesus follower, if you will, when you, when you, I call that wrestling that feeling to the floor, you know, like when you're like, I feel this, it's not great, but I need to be able to pull it apart and say, what part of this is making me crazy for a reason that's, that is good for me. And what part of it is, yeah, falling into old habits. What about you, Jennifer? Do you have, when you feel those kind of shame feelings, cause I know we all feel them, uh, what practically, what, what are some things you do to separate it, sift it, however, whatever you would say around it? I get out my sword. Yes. The word of God. Yes. And, um, you know, I have been known, I really like, um, you know, little post-it notes and I will throw stuff on there. Like you can see different layers of my life 
um, and the cupboards of my kitchen and in my car sometimes and on my bathroom window. And when I feel like I'm being convicted of something, I will write down verses and I will look up quotes and I will find ways to get into my mind truth so that it is easier to, so I'm replacing the lie. We'll be right back. Hello, my friend. Are you ready to develop consistent Bible study habits within a community that offers fresh resources and loving accountability? Well, I have an invitation for you. We would love to have you with us in Steady On University. On June 13, we will be kicking off a brand new study. It's called Be Still, and it will be anchored in the verses of Psalm 46. The lessons will help us remember that God is our refuge, and the way to calm life's chaos is by taking shelter in Him. You will find all the details for Steady on University in today's show notes. Again, the Be Still study begins on June 13, and you do not want to miss it. The study time in SOU so far is fire, and it's only going to get better from here. I hope you'll take a minute to check it out because I would love to study with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that so much. I think there's a there's a like a river that runs through shame, if you will, that says, be afraid of something. Isn't that what, like it, it, I know when something goes wrong and I can feel that like shame wash, you know what I'm talking about? Where you just all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel that I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of looking foolish. I'm afraid of being bad. I'm afraid of being found out. I'm afraid of, I, I, I don't know what else, what else would you ladies say? Cause I think there's a fear attached to it. Yeah. I think we mm-hmm. all want to be known and accepted. Mm-hmm. And the fear is that at our very core, that we'll be rejected, mm. you know, that we're not enough. And that's the main thrust that I've uh, spoken about for my book is that this fear that we're not enough. And this is the freedom of the shame off you life is we're not enough. And let that be our liberation. We were never going to be enough. We never could be. Christ is enough. You know, and he is enough for us in every place of weakness, every shame, just as God made provision for Adam and Eve back again in that uh, garden, uh, he has made provision for us to cover our sin and shame. And so we're not enough. Yeah. And I can say that with a smile now. Yeah. I love the lyric in the casting crown song. Nobody, I don't know if you guys know that song, because it talks, you know, when the devil starts talking to you saying, who do you think you are? Tell him I'm a nobody, you know? And because it's almost, I love that because it like takes the pressure off of me. I forget it all the time, but I go back to it because it takes the pressure off me when I'm like, I know that I'm not maybe qualified to do this work, or I know that I'm not perfect enough to do this work or holy enough to do this work or what, you know, whatever, take it up with my father. He's the one that's called me to this. That's, and it kind of like, it gives me this almost like, I don't know, attitude of kind of like, I'm not going to deal with your question. I'm not going to deal with your accusations. I'm going to take that. Yeah, you're right. I'm the wrong person for this, but in scripture over and over again, one of my favorite things is that God used the quote wrong person for the job over and over and over again to his glory. And I want to be a part of that. Hey, before I let you guys go, I want to ask this to both of you. This, I always end on this question. What are you reading, listening to studying, doing anything goes watching that's just bringing you joy, peace, keeping you connected to God right now. Denise, do you have anything that you're, I love to share resources. Oh, yeah, sure. So I'm really excited. God has me studying mindset 
sense. And, you know, think about it, shame is part of that as well, but specifically negative mindsets and how to overcome them. And so uh, next year, I have a co-author, a friend of mine, Michelle Nieder, and I are coming out with a book, Make Up Your Mind, Change Your Thoughts, Transform Your Life. And the whole, what I loved about this that God had given me was that it's to examine these different 10 negative mindsets, uh, search scripture where we see these mindsets happening in biblical characters, how they dealt with it, and then look at how Christ dealt with it. And it was so fascinating to see the mind of Christ, because that's ultimately what Paul says that we have, and to apply that to the negative mindsets that we are countering in our daily lives. And so and I've got a lot of tools in the back too that I have to help people uh, with triggers that show you why you got into that mindset, tips to show you how to get out. And then my friend, Michelle Niedert, I asked her to do uh, a counselor's corner for every chapter. So I'm doing the whole biblical approach to it. And then she comes at the end with a Christian counselor's perspective of this is what you should do you know, when you're trapped in this mindset. And so that's been exciting. Uh, also, I have a Bible tribe uh, every day, um, and it's a Bible reading plan that I use. And I just do a one to two minute, um, sometimes longer, depends, but pretty much one to two minutes, focusing on one key verse each day from that Bible reading plan. And I'm, I'm coming up with an idea for next year of what I'm going to do for it. But and recently, uh, I got my master's degree in biblical exposition from Liberty, and I'm praying about uh, getting my doctorate because I just, I just hunger so much for God's word, and I just love it so much. And it also equips me for things like um, I, I write for the First Five app or for the Compel blog, and I love going deeper and just setting God's word more. So those are just some of the things uh, that I'm working on right now in my um, ministry life. I also am a worship leader at my church um, and helping with family ministries. And my husband's recently retired. And so that means he likes to go sailing. And so um, it's a full life. And I feel very blessed for God's restoration. Jennifer, what about you? Anything you're studying or listening to or? Yes. Okay. So two things that I didn't think, I mean, well, when you do two things that have to do with the Bible, they just go together and it's always amazing how that's going to work out. So I just finished um, going through the second half of Jen Wilkins study on the book of Genesis. It's called God of covenant. And it was so good. I actually was able to study in person at my church. It was fantastic. And then um, with another group of people online, I've been listening to um, Christy McClellan's Israel course. And so I've gotten like this great deep dive into the second half ish, you know, of, of Genesis. And then now I'm also listening to a whole, like from the beginning of the story to the end, from a Middle Eastern perspective, the whole mm -hmm. story of the Bible. It's, it's been awesome. a good summer of study. Let me yeah, that sounds great. All of that sounds really great. Thank you both for sharing those resources. Denise, thank you so much for your message. Uh, thank you for your willingness to share. I 
think that it's so important. I always say God does not need our sad stories. He needs our redemptive stories. That's what keeps me uh, hopefully on, not keeps me on track. It gets me back on track when I fall off the track, I think, remembering why it's important. And so your story and your willingness to share it and your journey around shame is is such a gift. And so thank you so much for not just your time today, but just your, your obedience to sharing it. And Jen, thank you for being here with us. And, um, and, and yeah, and, and I'm so excited about your conference and the way that you're encouraging women in your community. And I will, again, I will link all of Denise's information, all of Jennifer's information. And, um, it's just been so great to have this conversation with you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. We all deal with shame, but friend, don't get stuck there. I speak from experience. It is a dark and lonely place. Allow God to shine his light on your circumstances and experiences and show you how nothing is outside his redemptive power. A big thank you to my friend Jenny Elwood, who co-hosted with me today. I encourage you to find the link in today's show notes to Jenny's free virtual retreat coming up on August 21. Denise and I are both speakers at that conference. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll subscribe to the Steady On podcast today. When you're subscribed, you'll automatically see the new episodes plus any bonus material. Also, I have a new freebie available on my website. If you would like a guided devotional resource, I encourage you to find the link in today's show notes so it can be delivered directly to your email inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.